Welcome back to the Healthy Diabetic Podcast, a place to feel educated and supported while identifying what will work for you. Before we get started, please remember that nothing that you hear on this podcast should be considered medical advice or otherwise. Please always consult your medical team before making any changes to your diabetes management. All right, it is December 30th, 2022. It's almost, wow, I almost said it's almost Christmas Eve. Man, where's my brain at right now? It's almost New Year's Eve. We are just at the tail end of 2022. And I don't know about you, but at the end of each year, I like to kind of reflect on the things that went well, the things that didn't do go well, uh, what I learned. And uh, I really th- dive deep into those things because one of the biggest things as diabetics that I'm always talking about is that if we're not continuously taking a note of what happened in the past, we can't change our behavior or we can't build some type of strategy or whatever we need to do to improve upon what happened in the past, moving in the future. So this is a diabetes show. I won't bore you guys with the business reflections I went through, the personal reflections I went through, uh, or even maybe even the physical reflections that I went through. But I will take the next 20 minutes-ish and explain these diabetes reflections that I really came across in meditating and reflecting. And I didn't really do much meditation because I'm not really a meditating guy, but um, I did do a lot of a lot of searching. I don't want to call it soul searching because it wasn't really that type of work, but it did do a lot of thinking, a lot of writing, and a lot of uh, thought, thinking about stuff. So when I sat down and took the last week or so and reflected on the year being a diabetic, talking to different people, I really came up with eight specific words that really defined my feelings and thoughts um, of 2022. Patience, openness, flexibility, love, courtesy or curiosity, determination, mental health, work-life balance. All eight of these categories for me kept the, these things in, in maybe in these categories that you could put in these categories, kept just things and emotions and words kept jumping out at me. So that's how I came up with these eight categories. And I'm going to go through each one of them because there's a specific meaning for each one of them for me. And I, I encourage you to do some type of reflection on the past year as well, because like I said, the more reflection we do, the more understanding that we do of past things that happen, good and bad, the better tools that we have uh, moving forward. So let's start with the first one, patience. When I sat down and kind of thought about the year, patience kept coming up or this this thought process that I call patience. And with a couple of these, I'm just going to read off the definition because the definition kind of instills what the word one means, obviously, but also uh, you'll understand why I came to that thought process after I read through the definition. So definition of patience. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay. That was a big thing for me, tolerate. Um, The the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering 
without getting angry or upset. And I think the the last two words without getting angry or upset was was something that I really thought about because for me there's not too much that gets me upset or angry about diabetes because I'm in a good place emotionally, but there's a lot of things day to day that get me upset. And those things could be my CGM not working, which technology is not fallible, which doesn't always work. Uh, my pump dying when it's not supposed to. Um, my CGM and pump not communicating in the right manner. Um, those little things always, that they, they get to me sometimes, just like probably all of you. You know, did I miscalculate this bolus? Did I take enough pre-bolus? Did I take enough time for my pre-bolus to actually go through and, and, and just, did I take enough time for that pre-bolus to work after I took insulin? Those little little things like that just irritate the crap out of me because I know those are easy things to correct. Those are easy things to get right on 90% of the time. And when I look back at charts of going high or charts of going low and, and I reflect on like, well, why did that actually happen? A lot of the times those are one of the reasons that they happen. And I just get so irritated with that because sometimes it's, these are things that are, can be easily avoided. So I learned this year to really focus on patience. And that's going to be one of my big goals emotionally over the, the next year is to continue to practice patience with my diabetes. Because once we start getting so upset and so imp- impatient or impatient with diabetes is where we start falling out of this thought process of having a good relationship with diabetes. And I think if you've listened to this show before, I've talked about my five pillars of diabetes success, which I'm going to dive it, take a deep dive into next week. So please stay tuned to that because it's going to be really powerful and it's going to be a way more in-depth conversation than I've ever done, even when I was with Graham on the Two Type Ones podcast. So that's just a spoiler alert. But when, when I think about patience, it's it's just one of these, this concept that I needed to be I need to do a better job at because it it kept popping up when I was reflecting on the year. So patience, it's important. You got to be patient with yourself, with your diabetes, and even with other people. So patience, that was the first one. The second one was openness. Okay, openness. Learn new skills and try new things. That was the biggest thing that kind of popped up for me is I sometimes, I, I am a person who doesn't always like to try new things. But growth, with growth, whether it's professional, whether it's personal, whether it's mental, physical, you have to be open to try new things. And there was certain times of the year that I was open to try new things. And then there was other times of the year where I was like, no, barriers are up. I'm not trying new things. I, I know what works for me. I know what's what's... I know it works for me. So why am I going to change things? And the the interesting piece with this was moving from the tandem pump to the Omnipod. I was always thought like this, the tandem pump is amazing. So if you're on the tandem pump or if you're on the Omnipod pump or heck, if you're on Medtronic, whatever works for you is great. But 
I wanted to just try out the Omnipod. I didn't know, I had no idea how this was going to work, how this was going to go down. I tried it for the first day and uh, I got an error message. I was like, damn it. All right, let me give it another try. I tried it the second day and this, the adhesive, I couldn't, the, the, I couldn't get the heat adhesive to work. I put it on and then the he- adhesive would roll up, which hap- was, happens all the time, even with the tandem pump. So I got frustrated. I was, wasn't practicing patience. And then the third time I put another one on and got on automated mode because I, I did the uh, Omnipod 5 uh, and it worked great. And it solved some of my problems that I was having in the evening that I couldn't necessarily solve or couldn't figure out how to solve with the tandem pump. And uh, I will also add with that that one of the reasons I think I was having issues with the tandem pump is because I think my sensitivity was set too high. It was set at 70, and I lowered it to 60. I obviously uh, connected with my medical team and asked them questions about it, asked them if they, that was a good idea to do, and as a team, we decided it was. So I changed my sensitivity, and everything changed. So that's a good example of like if you're struggling with MDI, if you're struggling with pump therapy, that there's a reason why you're struggling. And I made the decision to connect with my medical team. And then we came up with a decision together, right? And that's what your medical team's for. So that was the second one, being open to trying new things. And it worked out really well for me. The third one was flexibility. Flexibility is the quality of bending easily without breaking. That's the physical definition if you're like into fitness, right? So we are able to bend easily um, without breaking. That's, that's good. We don't want to break. Uh, the definition that I really looked at was the ability to be easily modified, willingness to change or compromise. So those last two were, imp- were big for me when I kind of thought about flexibility. I wasn't thinking about it as a physical thing. I was thinking about it more of a mental thing, right? The ability to be easily modified, willingness to change or compromise. As it is important to, it was important for me to be open. There's one, I think there's, it's an important distinction to understand to be open to something and then also compromising what you're doing right now to experiment and change. And that's what I had to do. And again, both of those things kept popping up for me, making sure that I was in a place where I could be open, but also be in a place that I had a willingness to change or compromise because I, it's, it's, I think it's really important. Those two is, is important to understand is you can be open to something, but if you don't have a willingness to, to change, then it doesn't matter. So the flexibility piece and openness was kind of hand, went a little bit hand in hand for me, but uh, you get the idea. The fourth one, which is out of this list as one I think I do really well, at least with my diabetes, but it's important to bring up because I, it's the, I believe it's still, I still believe it's the foundation of everything, when, and that's love. Love myself with diabetes, not hate diabetes, not fight against diabetes. If, you, you know, if you're new to the show, welcome, but if you're not new to the show, I'm sure you've heard me say multiple times that you have to have 
a good relationship with diabetes. And that can mean so many different things to each different each person. That's why I love my five pillars because it's not a black and white approach. It's not like it's this, this, or this. It's it literally is what works for me in each category. So number four, love. I continue to practice every single day to love myself with diabetes and not hate diabetes and not fight against it. Because once we start fighting against it, all all hell breaks loose. All the barriers, all the things that we work to be okay with and do and, and, and function as a diabetic every single day start breaking down. So that was a big one. That's always been a big one for me. But again, it's something that I think is very important. Number five was curiosity. This is something I think that goes with openness, but I'm always curious um, to not just try new things, but I'm also just curious on what other people are doing. I've watched the diabetic world for a long time, right? I've been diabetic. I've been a diabetic for 15, almost 15 years, I believe, 13 years, something like that. And when I started coaching people or started at least talking uh, to diabetics about being diabetic and started coaching diabetics in the realm of weight loss and fitness, um, it was it was apparent to me that there was something wrong and the way people kind of viewed diabetes. And that was that I always had a curiosity about that. I've also always had a curiosity of what is working for other people. I think that I am very obsessed with that specific thing because it took me a long, long time to figure out what works for me. And and it's not this it does in let me preface this when I say that when when we're trying to figure out what works for us, it's also important to understand and know that just because you've figured out what works for you doesn't mean that that's not going to change, right? If you're a young person and you move into adulthood, it's 100% going to change. For me, a whole bunch of stuff changed when I had kids because my routine's different. Everything, every, all kinds of stuff changed. So, that that's an important piece to understand that like when we find out what works for us that it's not always going to be the same and that piece of curiosity and being very curious about what other people do because i learned so much about what other people are doing other influencers in in the space you know uh, my friends my family members like conversations that i have with people that aren't even diabetic that that things that they do Right, Jason Tharp was on the on the podcast. Uh, I think three or four weeks ago, he has um, brain cancer. He's fighting. He's been fighting brain cancer for for over a year. He's he's cancer free right now. But the the things that he was dealing with gave me insight to how mentally I could deal with diabetes, because in a sense they're interlinked on how we deal with those diagnoses and how we deal with it. The day to day is is totally different. But how we view it and how we view ourselves in, in society, how we view ourselves with our friends, do we hide diabetes, do we not hide? All of these things are important to understand. And, and it, for me, it's the curiosity of it is so fascinating. So that was one thing that kept popping up as well. The next one was determination. At the start of, I don't know, maybe halfway through the year, um, I was determined 
to get my A1C down to a six or lower. I was determined to do that, not by changing up everything I do, but taking a deeper clo- a deeper look at my time and range. Because at the time, my time and range was all over the place, right? So because my, excuse me, because my time and range is so tight, right? I've got in my CGM, I've got, I think the low end is 80 and the top end is 150. So I'm getting alarms all the time if I'm not within that range, but that's what I like. That's what works for me. Some other, some other people want their range a little bit wider and I was very determined on getting my A1C down by increasing that time and range, getting 70 plus, 70, 75% plus all the time. And it's very, it's been very difficult because I keep it so tight in it, tight knit or keep my time and range so close. Yes, I could have easily got 70% if I would have increased it to 180, 200, like some people tell us to do. But being at 200 is not okay for me. Like I want to be lower than 150. When I, when I create the right consistency for me being under 150, then I'm going to move it to 140 and then I'm going to move it to 130. You know, it, these are the things that I think about with my diabetes management, because if I just keep it at one range all time and never try to improve upon that range, then those numbers could be all over the place. At least that's what, that's what happens to me. The other thing with determination is I was determined to experiment. I was determined to watch what other people's experiments were doing. And I could only have done that if I was trying to be open and flexible to what was going on. The second to last one, so number seven, is mental health, right? So my mental health is pretty darn good with diabetes. I've struggled with a lot of other things over my life, but for the most part, my mental health is pretty darn good with diabetes. I don't fight against diabetes. I embrace it. It's part of who I am, Um, but it could always be better. And as I was reflecting on the year, mental health kept coming up, not necessarily because of diabetes, but because of other things that were happening in my life. So... Mental health is a big thing. We all know that. What are we doing to improve upon that mental health? The last one is work-life balance. And this was an interesting one that kept coming up, especially when I was like thinking about mental health because I, I know that I don't spend enough time at home. And the time that I do spend at home isn't always um, engaging because I'm thinking about other things. And that's one thing, even going into this year, even going into 2022 that I wanted to be better about. And I don't think I did the best job at doing that because sometimes when I'm home, I'm not engaged with my, with my kids and I really want to be because I'm thinking about some other, so much other crap. So that was one, work-life balance is something that I, I've thought about a lot. Um, and I've read books, I've read, listened to books that, talk about like work, work, work life balances is, uh, doesn't exist, right? You can't, you can't have a good work life balance, but then I've also listened and in, in read books that disagree with that, that say you can, 
And ultimately what I think is just like, it's up to the person, right? And how you define, just like anything, how you define work-life balance. What is it for you? For me, it's like a 60-40 thing that I want to be a little bit closer to, to a 50-50 thing, right? It's more 60 work and about 40 life. And then the other thing I think you need to kind of define for yourself that I didn't really think about until I really reflected on this year was when we talk about work-life balance and in the life category, what does that mean for you? Because there's personal, there's family, there's friends, there's spouse, there's kids. There's all these different categories in that whole life thing. And all of those things could have different percentages of that life percentage, right? If, if work is 60% of my life and the rest is everything else, I, I know for sure that I'm not spending enough time on myself, I know I'm not spending enough time connecting and being engaged with my friends. I know I'm not spending enough time connecting and engaging with my family. I'm spending most of my 40% of that work-life balance on my wife, on my kids, somewhat somewhat on trying to be present at my house. And whatever I'm doing doesn't even have to be with the girls could just be like let me get cleaned up or let me do this or whatever whatever it is let me do some yard work or let me make sure that the yard's mowed or whatever it is so i think that that's an important piece when when i think about work-life balance that's what i also think about in my life category where where what percentages of that life category of all the things that are important to me and all of those things i listed are important family friends you know, my girls, my house, my personal well-being, like all of those things are important to me, but I don't, I don't give the same energy on all of those, but I give a lot of energy on my career and work. So I think that's something, if you're struggling with work-life balance, and let me, let me also preference this, just because I'm talking about work-life balance, that doesn't, that doesn't mean it's not the same as like if you're an athlete right? If, are, you, are you an athlete and you're a young athlete and you're still in middle school or high school, but then you play three or four sports and you're constantly on the road playing in a tournament, your parents are constantly driving you all over the place. If you're someone like that, it's the same idea, right? Your work is your sport, your practice, your competition, and your life is everything else. Going to school, being with your friends, being with family at home, playing video games, watching TV, watching your favorite episode, whatever it is, it's the same idea. And what is the energy that you want to put towards all of those things? I think that's an important piece. So those are my eight categories of reflection for the year. Patience, openness, flexibility, love, curiosity, determination, health, mental health, and work-life balance. I encourage you to think about the year. You don't have to go into depth like I did. I'm just like that sometimes. And it's weird that I'm like that sometimes because I don't always do that. Like I don't always like dive deep into my thoughts, but sometimes I do. And most of the time when we do these these exercises, we get a lot of value out of them because we, we just get so much clarity on what's going on in our life. So I would encourage you to 
do this exercise. You don't have to, but I encourage you to because it's really going to give you some clarity on what's going on. That is all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this added some value for you. I hope this sparked some ideas on uh, how to start thinking about diabetes. When or next week, please tune in to next week. Tell your friends that are diabetic, whoever it is, um, because I think next week's gonna next week's gonna be a really powerful episode. I have created a ten week program um, that I'm just getting ready to launch in 2023, which I'm super stoked about. It's gonna be a ten week program on diabetes management, on how do you figure out what your five pillars are, and the start of that process is going to be next week on this show, because I'm going to take that five pillars idea, we're going to do a deep dive. And then I'm going to basically teach you how I think about or how I take people through how to build their five pillars. And it's going to be a really cool thing. So don't miss next week, next Friday. I don't even know what the date is. It's the first week of January. Uh, Tell your friends to tune in on that Friday and uh, it's, and we'll get it going. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to all of you as always, and I will see you next week.